This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Now, we talked a little bit last week, and we want to reiterate the fact that uh, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, Hebrew of the Old Testament and Greek of the New Testament, the word mercy and compassion are both nearly identical. There are times where the same word will be translated mercy in one place, it will be translated compassion in another place. But there are different words that are used for mercy and compassion, but they mean identically the same thing. As a matter of fact, in uh, Strong's Concordance, it brings out that the, uh, uh, one of the definitions for mercy is to have compassion. One of the definitions of compassion is to be merciful. These words literally mean to be full of eager yearning, to love tenderly. To love tenderly or to be full of eager yearning is what, love, is what mercy and compassion means. Now, here it says in chapter, uh, in Psalm 145 and verse 8, it says the Lord is gracious. The word gracious means disposed to show favors. It says it's the nature of God to give. For God so loved that he gave. It is the nature of God to give, not to withhold. The Lord is gracious, disposed to show favors, and full of compassion. If you're full of something, there's no room for anything else. He's not full of anger. He's full of compassion, tender love, eager yearning. He is slow to anger. Thank God for that. Slow to anger and of great mercy. Notice in verse 9, it says, the Lord is good to a few. No, it says, the Lord is good to all. And there's tender mercies are over a few of his works. No, his tender mercies are over all of his works. That means everything God has ever done has been according to his mercy. Everything that God has ever done, everything God ever will do is according to his mercy. Now turn with me over to Mark chapter 1. We want to look at some things that we looked at last week, but as I said, we want to go a little bit further. I want you to see one of the healings in Jesus' ministry, one of the most significant events that ever took place while he was here on the earth, revealing the will of the Father. Beginning in verse 40 of Mark chapter 1, it says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. And notice while this man is believing that God can, Jesus, the Word made flesh, the Son of God here on the earth, while this man believes that Jesus can heal him, he's not healed. It's not the belief that he can do something that brings it into reality for you. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus responded, and if this is Jesus Revealing the Father to us, and this means this is God's attitude then and God's attitude now towards those who believe that he can but don't know if he will heal. And Jesus moves with compassion, tender love, eager yearning. 
moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. T.L. Osborne pointed out in uh, talking about ministering in, in other countries, other nations of the world, he said in, in Latin countries, he said the word will, talking about the will of man, does not translate. He said you can try to explain it, you can try to define it, and it just does not translate in the Latin American languages. He said the closest you can get to it for people to understand is to change the word to want. He said, and he talked about how they had preached this hundreds of times in Latin American countries, that the leper came to him and said to him, if you want to, you can heal me. If you want to, you can heal me. And Jesus moved with compassion, said, I want to. Well, isn't that what to be full of eager yearning would mean? God wants to heal you. God wanted to heal this leper. Jesus was moved with compassion, eager yearning, and said, yeah, I want to. Now, this guy changed the course of Jesus' ministry. I want you to see how. Jesus moved with compassion, reached forth his hand, and touched him and said, I want to. Be thou clean. Now, if Jesus wanted to heal this guy, and God is no respecter of persons, and God never changes, what foundation or what basis do any of us have to say, any part of the church world today or at any time, what foundation would they have to say that God doesn't want to heal people today? If God wanted to heal this man, but doesn't want to heal everybody today, then we've got some verses of Scripture we're going to have to tear out of the Bible. One we just read, the Lord isn't good to all then. We'd have to change that to the Lord's good to a few. Isn't that right? Well, what will have changed? Notice it was mercy that caused Jesus to say he wanted to. Has the mercy of God changed? The Bible says over and over again that the, Lord never, that the mercy of the Lord endures forever. So where does the modern day church get the idea that God doesn't want to heal everybody? Jesus said he wanted to heal this man. What was special about him? The Bible says the Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, keep the law of Moses, in other words, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Notice verse 45. Here's what changed Jesus' ministry. But the man went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad. I love that phrase, and to blaze abroad the matter. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. This man changed the course of Jesus' ministry. He dictated where Jesus was able to go and where he couldn't go. All because he published and began to blaze abroad the matter of the Lord's mercy and compassion unto him. 
Now, folks, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I believe that this is the way that the church is supposed to grow. When we begin to publish and make known the mercy of the Lord to deliver and to heal, people will come from every quarter. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Let's look at another example of the mercy of the Lord. Verse 29, and as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Notice they're asking for mercy. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, or the louder, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. They weren't going to be dissuaded by the crowd from asking God for mercy. And Jesus stood still and called them and said unto them, What will ye that I shall do unto you? What kind of mercy do you want? What do you mean by have mercy on me? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Notice they understood that blind eyes being healed or opened was a mercy of the Lord. And Jesus responded and said, no, I'm sorry. Mercy is just for salvation. No, it says, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. When he had compassion, that means he wanted to heal them. He was full of eager yearning. Their call for mercy touched the heart of the Son of God who was here on the earth to reveal the will of God the Father unto us. And their eyes were opened. Healing is a mercy of God, and the Lord is good to all. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 5. Well, let's start in verse 15. It says, and they came to Jesus, talking about the people of that area. They came to Jesus. He's in the, the region of Decapolis. They came to Jesus and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they, saw it and they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. You remember the evil spirits went out into the man and into the swine, and then they ran down the steep place into the sea and choked themselves. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Now, I want you to notice this. Here's the attitude of the people after this man gets delivered. Jesus, you've got to go away. 
lot of people are afraid of the power of God. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wants to go with Jesus. I don't blame him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. So Jesus identifies why this has happened, why this deliverance took place, why this man was set free. Because Jesus wanted to. He was full of eager yearning. He had compassion on him, the compassion that endures forever. The mercy that never comes to an end. And he departed, verse 20, <clears throat> he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Now I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 15 because it tells us the next time Jesus was in the region of Decapolis, here's what happened. Here's what he found. Here's what changed in that area after the man began to publish the compassion of the Lord and the results of his deliverance. Verse 29, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat there. This is the same mountain that the swine ran down the steep place into the sea from. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, folks, I would submit to you, and you don't take my word for this, you check this out, but you'll never find another place in the four Gospels where the Bible identifies specifically the miracles of the maimed being made whole, the blind coming to sight, the lame being able to walk and so forth in the same magnitude that it indicates in this case. And notice the change in the region. This was the place where the people came together and saw the man that was delivered from the power of the devil and said, Jesus, you've got to leave here. The next time Jesus comes back, they're gathering the sick from every quarter, from the whole region. And it doesn't matter whether it's big sick or little sick. Doesn't matter if it's a minor case or a major case of sickness or disease or the effects of the sickness and disease that have caused people to be maimed and so forth. They bring them to Jesus and Jesus heals every one of them. Didn't leave one of them out. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. Notice this man changed his region, the place that he lived, by publishing making known, spreading the word about the compassion of Jesus to deliver. Let's look at a couple other places as well when we see the compassion of the Lord to heal. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion, tender love and eager yearning. He was moved with a want to, and he healed their sick. Look with me again to Matthew chapter 9 
In verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Well, what does he do? He's moved with compassion, but what action does he take? He's full of eager yearning. He wants to help and meet the needs of the people. He loves them tenderly, but what does he do? Chapter 10 tells us. He called the 12 disciples together, and he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He commissions them in verse 5, and part of what he tells them in verse 8 is, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. The tender love that God had on that, that Jesus had on that multitude spurred him to delegate healing power, delivering power to the 12 and send them out to do the same work that he's doing. Why? Because Jesus had compassion on them. Now I want to point out to you, and I made this statement last week, if you were here you may remember the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. As such, we've established several different examples. I think I gave you four. And there are others that we could use as well. Of Jesus being moved with compassion and the result was healing for the physical body. So we could establish from that a Bible pattern. That compassion triggers the healing power of God. Folks, there are 200 scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, 200 scriptures that talk about the mercy of God and the man. Let's look at a couple of these scriptures. You can well understand we can't look at 200 of them. But let's look at a couple of these scriptures. Look with me to Psalm chapter, let's start in Psalm 25. Verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. All the paths, every work, every action, every deed of God is mercy and truth. Micah chapter 7 and verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. God delights in mercy. We've already seen that mercy includes healing. God delights in mercy. This means that the thing that makes God happy, the thing that turns him on, is to show mercy to his people. You don't have to talk God into being merciful. It's what satisfies his heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies. He's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is called the father of mercies. You may remember the Old Testament story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 when Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah 
are surrounded by the five enemy kings. And they proclaim a fast and call upon the Lord, what shall we do about this? And the word of the Lord came came upon someone in the midst of the congregation and said, don't be afraid of these people, for the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. He tells them to go out, where to go out the next morning and to find the enemy. God doesn't want you running from the enemies, he wants you to face him. So he tells him where to find them. And the next day, it says, Jehoshaphat reminded the people about the prophecy that came before. He says, believe in the Lord and in the prophets. And so he appointed singers to go in front of the army. Do you remember what they sang? He appointed them to sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They recognized that their victory was a, a, an expression, a demonstration of God's mercy. So what did they do? They thanked God for his mercy before anything happened. And the Bible says, and the Lord said ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And they all began to destroy each other. And by the time the children of Israel came upon the camp, everybody was destroyed. And it took them three days to carry away the goods, the spoil of the people. They sang, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They had faith in the mercy of God. We should too. The next one I want to point out to you is in Psalm 23. Most of you can quote this psalm. Many of you can at least. It ends with surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mercy follows you. The goodness of God and mercy follows you. Now everybody recognizes that Psalm 23 is a type of the day that we live in. Psalm 22 is a type of Jesus fulfilling the work of God on the cross. Psalm 23 is the day of the church, the day that we live in, the day of the new covenant. And Psalm 24 is the millennium period. So in the day that we live in, the psalm that refers to the day that we live in, it says surely goodness and mercy. Surely, certainly, definitely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wouldn't that include healing mercy too? Praise God it does. Psalm 33, verse 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Now, over and over again, you're going to see several scriptures that talk about the the mercy of the Lord upon those that fear God. I know the the way the devil works. He's worked this way on me, and I'm sure he works the same way on all of us. He tries to bring condemnation with, with phrases like that or scriptures like that by trying to point out where we've fallen short or where we're not doing what we should do or whatever to try to make us feel like we're inadequate and disqualified. But there's a different meaning for those that fear the Lord. And I want to point it out to you. As I said, the modern day church recognizes that the mercy of the Lord to save endures forever. The modern day church preaches and has preached for years that there's no sin that's too great for God to forgive. There's no amount of sin that's too great for God to forgive. His mercy is greater than any sin, any action, any behavior, any wrongdoing, right? But the same modern day church, at least some of it, 
preaches that God doesn't heal today like he did in the early days of the church. And he certainly doesn't heal like he did in Jesus' day when he was here ministering on the earth. So the mercy of the Lord is not extended toward the physical body like it is toward the spirit in salvation. But folks, think about what that means. The Bible says that Jesus died for us when we were yet in sin, when we were enemies of God. That means the Bible identifies the unsaved as God's enemies. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they hate God or that they've taken a negative attitude toward him. It just means their spirits are separated because of the bondage of spiritual death. And that makes us God's enemies when we're unsaved. So if the mercy of God to save endures forever, there's no sin that's too great, no sin that's too great for God to forgive, no amount of sin that's too great for God to overlook, then that would mean that the mercy of God is greater toward his enemies than it would be to his children who are seeking healing for the physical body. Is that possible? How is it, therefore, that the mercy of God is extended, according to Scripture, to them that fear him? The unsaved don't fear him. The unsaved don't have any respect to him, toward him. No, where it says the mercy of God is extended toward those that fear him, it means the children of God. It means those that have chosen to serve him and follow him. It means his family. So let me read this again with that understanding. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, his children, in other words, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Now, I'll remind you of a scripture that doesn't talk about the mercy of God, but you can see how it relates. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, I believe it is, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those. God is seeking those whom he may show himself strong on their behalf. Now, if the eyes of the Lord are running throughout the earth to seek somebody, looking for somebody for God to show himself strong to, and the Lord's tender mercies are over all of his works. He's looking for somebody to show his mercy unto them. Well, who, is it, who does the Bible tell us his eyes are on? Notice verse 18 again. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. He's looking for his children. So he can show himself strong on their behalf. And cover them with his mercy. I'm going to read from Psalm 69, verse 16. It says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. How big is the multitude? Bigger than we need. The mercy of God is greater than anything we'll have ever have need for. The Word of God tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to live like God's Word is true. Train yourself so that no matter what happens in life, your first question is, what does the Bible say about this? Then do what it says and watch the blessings of God come to pass. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. He said, when you put yourself in a position where God can show his mercy without violating spiritual law, it works every time. How do we do that? By saying what God's word says. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.